I rented a C-Class to go up to Innis the other week. Yeah, you did. Which was really fun. Hell yeah. Felt good. I bet it did. Felt wealthy. You know what else makes me feel wealthy? What? A premium leather golf glove. Fresh Cabretta. I got a new one right here. Look at this. You got the pack? The pack touchdown. Yes. (laughs) Mm. What does it smell like? It smells like a hug. That sound right there, baby. That's that that fresh, brand new Red Rooster glove about to go on the back of your hand. So if that don't make you want to buy a Red Rooster glove, then turn this podcast off right now and don't come back, sir or madam or you person. Go to redroostergolf.com. Kaka doodle do. pets Ben? I do not. I actually have never had a pet except the fish growing up. I don't know. My parents just like they were like we we work full-time jobs. We uh you know we can't we can't do this. And I was like, yeah, all my friends that have pets, their parents have full-time jobs too. Like the yeah. logic's not working, but they held out the con for 33 years. And by the way, Santa is real. <laughs> Well, oh, Ben, yeah. we, we appreciate you uh, tapping in with us this evening and, and uh, joining the show. I know you've been you've been a supporter for a while now, so it's great to finally connect face to face here, uh, even if it's even if it's digitally. So, yeah, yeah. The pleasure is all mine. Honestly, uh, I'm grateful for the opportunity to chat with you guys. You've uh, worn a lot of different hats and, and um, done a lot of different things in your career. How does how does golf fit into that story? In my career, not at all until a couple of years ago, I waited a long time to make these things merge. So I, I, you know, went to school for journalism, wanted to work at a magazine since I'd made that decision. Esquire was the magazine I wanted to work at. And that worked out in my life. And, uh, you know, I, I joined as a social media editor there and was there for six years and worked my way up to be the deputy editor of the magazine and the digital director. And you know, then I got to start making some decisions. And when, you know, Michael Sebastian, the editor in chief took over the magazine and I became his deputy, I became a bug in his ear about, we need to do something about golf and golf style because I'd saw, I'd seen golf style really reaching an echelon for the, for the first time really since probably like the sixties or seventies, in my opinion. Um, and I saw it happening. So I, I stayed in his ear about it. And I think probably maybe a year later, he was like, you know what? I think we should do a golf package, uh, which was more than I had ever imagined I would get to do. So I ended up doing a 14-page, quarterbacking a 14-page golf package in our summer issue uh, for 2021. And that was an interesting challenge for somebody that like has been obsessed with golf since they were a teenager to confine your love and to try to encapsulate a moment for the first time in, in a while in that magazine, um, into 14 pages. But, you know, I, I wanted to touch on some of the things that I was really stoked on and always have been, but never got to talk about to anybody except my golf buddies and, Mm. and other golf nerds like me, but also some things that represented where the sport was headed. And it was, you know, at a time where the whole conversation was like, 
oh, post pandemic, you know, golf's really blowing up and it's, you know, it's because of the pandemic. And I wanted to nod to that, but I was also aware that this had been happening for some years before the pandemic too. You know, it wasn't just a golf boom. There was the people that were in golf before the pandemic happened were making strides in inclusivity and in aesthetic uh style you know mm. it's not your goofy neighbor with the fat ass anymore is you know from happy <laughs> gilmore it was yeah. there was streetwear <laughs> happening there was sneak i think sneaker culture was really the first kind of mainstream hype style nerd uh menswear sector to get into golf when jordan started putting spikes on the bottom and and yeah. you know nike's golf shoes started becoming you know, they use their sneaker silhouettes and Adidas, who I think does probably the best job of all the sneaker companies uh, with golf shoes, started putting spikes on Adidas superstars and Stan Smith's. And you're like, wow, okay, this is, you know, cause I, I'm not proud of every outfit I've ever worn on the golf course. It was, you wouldn't be a real golfer unless you weren't proud of every outfit that you wore. Yeah. I think that, that that's par for <laughs> yeah, actually, We're boxed yeah. in. It's a badge of honor. <laughs> yeah you know i look back on a lot of you know facebook photos of me and my cousins playing when i was a teen and i'm like damn that just did not fit and <laughs> those pants are for church they are not for yeah. a golf course <laughs> right um, right which you know one could argue are two of the same thing yeah um, mm. for some of us Very um, true. but anyway golf golf style was making strides finally and reaching people and maybe making pe- some people want to golf even um, because they wanted to wear the clothes and they wanted to feel more authentic and not just be a poser. You know, I've talked to enough skateboarders to avoid co-opting skate style, but yeah. And we got to do this package and I got to meet a lot of people that I always wanted to talk to. Um, we got to do a feature on Scotty Cameron. We got to do a profile on Kamayu Johnson. Um, we talked to Johnny Manziel about, you know, his second life as a pro golfer or an attempt to be a pro golfer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really cool. And that's, so that's how, that's how golf and my career collided to give you guys like the longest answer of all time. So uh, we, we say this a lot. We're a, we're a mental health podcast disguised as a golf podcast, but a bit, another big theme on, on this show is life online and the role that we play, the three of us play as creators and as, as producers. And we were really honest about the, the impacts that that has on us and, and our community and our brains, our collective brains. And it strikes me that you were, you had this role at Esquire as a social media editor in a really pivotal time for social media in general, when Snapchat was popping, when, you know, Instagram stories took over and now, and then TikTok created its own lane and things like that. What is your, reaction to all that like how do you how, how does how does social media make you feel right now how does how does living online make you feel right now and, and i guess where does that how, how can you relate that to golf it's a big question maybe but that is a big question i think i have like a t- two two answers to that really and i think my relationship with being logged on has changed a lot in the past year mm-hmm. because it was my job to be logged on when I was a magazine editor and the digital director for, you know, a brand that large with that much exposure. Right now, I might not be talking to you guys in a previous life. I'd be watching Joe Biden give his address and trying to think about what I'm going to talk to the politics editor in, in the morning about. If the VMAs were on a award show I was not interested in watching, I had to watch it. I had to look for trends in SEO. I had to make sure we were making our traffic goals. Um, I had to make sure I was shopping all the time 
so that which wasn't wasn't a terrible thing but so that i could you know link up with jonathan evans the style director and make a plan for what kind of stuff we were going to cover and how we were going to make e-commerce affiliate revenue off of that which was another one of our goals so being logged on was a requirement and you get cynical about that especially on twitter especially when you work at a brand that covers politics and funny enough you know golf felt like an escape from that for a long time and and it seems to not be as much anymore but now I, I work at a, a job that doesn't require me to know what's trending on Twitter and um, know you know what the uh, everybody's talking about and what's stressing people out, which I think is what happens a lot on Twitter. Mm. Um, I can consume Twitter at my leisure. I can be on Instagram at my leisure and um, still be successful at my job. Um, yeah, and just by just being being creative and and trying to make work that entertains people and and you know, all kinds of, all kinds of different goals we have, but none of it requires me to be seriously logged on. So my relationship with, with being online is at my own, on my own terms now for the first time in a really long time. And Mm. what I, to go to the second part of your question, what I've chosen to steep myself in now that it's all on my time is golf. And golf has always been for me, the thing that I turn to in tough times. It's been something that I've abandoned at times and missed and not realized how much I missed it and got caught up in my real life and Mm -hmm. always, always comes back to golf from like the most depressed days of my life, laying in bed and, and going hole to hole on the course that I grew up playing and helping that make that, that helped me fall asleep instead of the thoughts that I had. Like it always came back to golf for me. And so in this new kind of chapter in my life, uh, where I have a lot of work-life balance and a lot of opportunity to do some stuff for me online, um, I'm I'm diving all the way into golf as much as I can and making a lot of connections and trying to follow as many people and consume as much as I can because mm-hmm. my favorite thing is golf. And I, I have so many people now, you know, for a long time, I don't know about you guys, but like there was a long time where I didn't have many people I could talk to about it about golf, which that sounds kind of heavy, but it's not that heavy, but you know, there's, there wasn't anybody I could bro out with and talk about, you know, the nuances of the game. And there are, I know so many of those people now, you three included, and that excites me and I want to do it all the time. And when I see somebody on the subway wearing a five iron golf shirt, you know, I want to be like, yo, we're a tribe, man. Like I'm part of your crew and that's awesome. And I haven't really ever had the time to do that because I put my whole ass into Esquire and my, you know, it was, it was my dream job and I, I never thought I'd be there. And so I wanted to live up to it. And now I'm able to be successful at my job and, and a job that I, that I love now, but I can, I can make golf a part of my life in a, in a way that I think I always wanted to. So that's really exciting for me. And, and that the, the universe is allowing that with how many people play golf now. And, you know, that I've been playing it since I was 12 years old and, and know a lot, like I'm, I'm a pre pandemic golfer. Like that gives me some sort of edge too, where like I can, Mm. I can introduce the game to people, you know, and, and Mm -hmm. my mom's playing golf now because I love golf and my mother-in-law plays golf and I get to play with her and connect with her. Um, just the two of us in that way where it's not my fiance and I, it's, it's my, it's, Judy, it's my, my fiance's mom and we have a great time. And I don't know, I I'm rambling now, but it's just, I just, I love this. I'm so glad I get to talk about it. 
Oh man, these are the, those are the details. The, those are the those are the important bits, <laughs> the the crusty bits on the pan that taste good. You know, like that. That's the important mm. shit. I love that. You guys asked me what my my mortal wound was. Well, I'm going to say I'm sorry about a million times during this podcast for talking, which is what we're here to do. And uh, that, that's the answer to that question right away. Well, all right. Well, we're diving into our meat and potatoes questions already. So, Ben, tell me what your uh, walk-ups are. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, as the, the resident neighbor with the fat ass, uh, I have a question. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, that's what we call Brad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got the dumper of the crew. Um, Oblige. <laughs> yo, I am absolutely obsessed with the fact that you went through the course layout of, the ch- of your childhood course at your lowest I'm like, that is, um, that's something I have done before, but never spoken about. What is the course? Tell me about that. How did, how did that process start for you? What, what, what sparked that thought, that interest for you? Was it just to like help you fall asleep or was it like, this is an obsession, um, I'm not feeling well right now. I'm thinking about the course so that I can go play it as soon as possible. Like, can you, can you unpack that a little bit? Yeah, uh, definitely. It was, it was definitely more of the former in that, you know, I was having trouble sleeping because of my thoughts were racing and I couldn't stop thinking about all these different things that I couldn't even really regurgitate to you right now. Cause who knows what they were? It's just it's what anxiety is and, mm-hmm. and that's what depression is. And, and when you were having a bout of it, um, you, you don't know what's going on. You're just trying to cope and manage. And, you know, so it was during a really hard time in my life when I had, I had abandoned golf, like I said, for a little while, not abandoned it, but just like not made it a priority anymore. Um, and I had moved to New York and made all the excuses about, I can't play golf in New York that easily. Now I know what was I thinking? Of course I can, but I had, I had some life changes happen where the situation I was in was completely different than the situation that I had been in for the five years prior to that. And I was suddenly on my own in an apartment that was mm-hmm. foreign to me in a bed that was foreign to me. Um, it wasn't the trajectory that I had from my life at that time. And so I poured myself into work. And then at night I poured my mind into golf. And when I lay down at night and the head hit the pillow, instead of thinking about what ifs and you know, what if I did this or I could change this? It was, do you think I could carry those traps on the left on number one at Hickory Heights golf club in Bridgeville, Pennsylvania nowadays? Because when I was a kid, I was laying up to the 150 stick. And now I feel like even with a little fade, like I can, I can get over those traps and that leaves me like 125. And, and I used to be hitting, you know, a five iron when I was a kid playing that, but I bet I could, you know, really master that course now. And then I go to number two. Oh man, this is 320 yards. And Bob Broski drove that green whenever we were 17 years old. I bet, you know, I could get pretty close nowadays. So I think what's the ideal shot. And then I, the next night, instead of playing the same round, I think, all right, you're pulling it today. So you're left on number two and you got a slope, you got a tight pin and the slope goes left to right and you're not holding this green. So maybe, maybe try something else. And as you guys know, there's a million ways to, to play a course. So, I just began doing that and it started making me nostalgic for the game in a way that 
I didn't anticipate. And it brought me back to golf, to be honest, if I really think about it. And I haven't really thought about it in this way until you asked the question, but like that brought me back. And it's why I have this, this love that I have today. I mean, it's how I distract myself. Uh, but it's also the thing that I can now, it, it was how I distracted myself, I should say. And now I can point to it and I can deliberately go to it mm. as not a coping mechanism, so to speak, but just like a way I can fill myself up with love and fill up my cup. So like the past hour before I got on with you guys, like I've been watching, I'm on this kick right now of watching old final rounds of majors. Yo. And I just was watching the O five masters on YouTube. Oh my the, gosh. The back nine I've watched in the past week. I've watched the O eight us all, all tiger wins. Of course. Um, it started after I read Phil, the Alan Shipnuck book. Uh, and I was like, man, I was so young when a lot of this stuff was happening. I don't remember Shinnecock. Right. So I go on YouTube and I'm starting to watch clips of him playing at Shinnecock. And I'm like, ah, okay, that's cool. And I think I tried to watch some like other majors and some like Rory stuff. I'm like, you know what? Why am I not watching the cat? So I've been trying to run through all the cats, uh, telecasts of final rounds of majors now, but like that doesn't feel like wasting time to me the way that like just flicking through Netflix does. Like, I feel like I'm learning. I'm, I'm pumping myself full of knowledge that I missed out on by kind of like walking away for a little bit. And I'm excited to be back. Dog. I don't, I don't think you understand what you did though. Like, yeah. Um, I, I think you may have like introduced, um, I want to call it a coping mechanism. I know that you use that, that term, but, but, uh, it's like, you know, I talk so much about my dog, but like she has ways of soothing, you know, like if, if she has a little bit too much energy or she's feeling like extremely wired and and just need something like to ground her like she'll just chew on the tail of this little you know stuffed animal and it sounds like a way to soothe yourself was to replay that that course man i'm i'm so serious like that was that was a beautiful way Mm -hmm. to illustrate that for us um and probably something you know like i said i've done it before but it might be something i come back to Cause I, I do feel nostalgic thinking about the childhood course. Drew, I know you, you recently returned to, to your childhood course and, and played it again. I'm sure you, you know, all the feels were feeling when you did that. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that was, that was really beautiful, Ben. Thank you, man. I actually, I recently, I was in Pittsburgh visiting my mom for her birthday and we were, we went to top golf cause I'd never been, this was my first time wanted to hit the ball with her. Um, and, on the way back, I said, let's stop at Hickory Heights. I haven't been there in a long time. I didn't get to play, but we stopped. I walked on the putting green. I remembered the days of my dad dropping me off on his lunch break in the summer. And I'd play 27, walk 27. He'd pick me up Mm. after work. And that usually meant I had like two hours to putt before he showed up. And, uh, I just was staring at that first tee. They, they actually swapped the first and 10th tee at one point. And since I'd been there, and I was so mad about it. I almost like boycotted. I'm like, that's not the first tee. That's the 10th tee. <laughs> they swap, they've since swapped yeah. them back, luckily. But I bought a couple ball markers and I bought a towel. And I was like, I just want to have this course with me all the time now. Because, you know, again, I didn't even really, I guess, realize this, Brad, until you asked the question. But like, I need to remind myself of what what brought me back. You know, that that nostalgia kind of helped me fall in love all over again. It's really interesting. You bring up a really really interesting point about like things that matter so much to you in your life that you will 
push aside or abandon when things are difficult. And as someone who also recently moved to New York City, I really identified with what you said about, oh, it's it's a pain in the ass to play here, therefore I can't, therefore I fall out of love with the game. That's coming from somebody who actively works in the golf industry, let alone somebody just a, a, a normie, <laughs> a normal person who, who just like loved the game of golf. And as somebody who lives in New York, the last week and a half, literally, I've put myself on a quest to fall in love with the game again because that process had been really stressful. It is a really good reminder that even even living here in a place that is sort of a golf desert, you can still make it work if it's something that's important to you. That love is what takes you up to Van Cortland, you know, and that yeah. has you going to the Bronx and that has you going, dealing with the traffic to go to Marine Park. And it does, you don't notice it after a little while once you get used to it because you're, you're going to play golf, man. The, the image of you lying in bed, mind racing, and golf becomes for lack of a better expression, like the the rubber tires in the lightning storm, like the thing that completely grounds you and, and makes you feel safe and secure, especially when it's connected to a place of nostalgia, a place where you grew up, a place where you can clearly envision yourself hitting shots as a younger version of yourself. Something that we believe in very firmly, the three of us, is is the time travel. We love the conversation with the younger version of ourselves playing a round of golf with the younger version of ourselves and envisioning that process is really, really helpful and, and healing. So this sort of gets into our meat and potatoes questions a bit, but if you could play a round of golf at that course with 13-year-old Ben now, what would that conversation look like? Oh, man, I get emotional thinking about that kind of stuff because you think about that kid and what he doesn't know and you just want to tell him everything, but you also don't, you want to, you want to let him figure it out. You know, I don't know that I would be where I am without the the things I didn't know. So I think first and foremost, I'd tell him play more and don't stop <laughs> when I, you know, went to college and, you know, started slowing down or didn't really pursue it as hard. You know, the 13 year old still has time to make it on tour. Right. If you really grind. <laughs> so yes. I tell him there's still, a sh- there's still a chance. I think I would tell them mostly to smell the roses and to cherish, cherish your time, getting a, being able to walk by yourself, 27 holes, get this exercise, get this fresh air, get this time with yourself, get this practice in of this thing that you love and, and don't take it for granted. Um, I think I would probably try to tell him the same things I'm trying to still trying to tell myself on the golf course, which is mm. that, you know, these moments are precious that, as a, you know, working adult and you don't get to play golf every single day, unless you somehow make that your career, which is definitely still in the cards, smell the roses. Don't get mad. Enjoy the process. Enjoy, enjoy that you're hitting the ball. Enjoy the the grass. Don't worry about the score. Don't worry about impressing people. Worry about your fit. I think that, you know, would have to be on brand. (laughs) Um, But I I have to remind myself these things because that, that rubber tire, Connor, it doesn't exist for me still on the golf course, which is another challenge I think we have mentally as players of this game, which is when we lay in bed at night, when we think about this solitude, this church, you know, you step onto the golf course and the butterflies happen. And especially with new people, 
mm-hmm. or with people you want to impress. Um, the first tee is still scary. And, you know, when you hit the hosel, it's still frustrating. And when you are done with the round, you still say, well, you know, if I hadn't chunked those, those two 40 yard pitches and, you know, if that would have actually taken the pin out on that putt, then it would have been 78, but, <laughs> you know, trying to erase those thoughts yeah. from my memory. I think maybe that's what I would tell 13 year old Ben is like, Hey, there's, there's peace in this process. If you can accept these things and your passion for the game doesn't have to change, but, um, you know, being hard on yourself about it doesn't help that much. Mm. Bars. Worry about your fit is a good one. <laughs> yeah, because you know what? Because we have to represent now because. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure how old you are, but uh, I, I started playing at 13 as well. And uh, we, when you made reference to church pants earlier, that is absolutely what I was wearing on the course. <laughs> there was no difference. So give me them pleats, some heavy pleats. To be fair, so was Tiger Woods. I, I'm just watching 05 and these, you know, there were three human adult legs that can fit oh, yeah. in one of those pants. Yes. Legs. Oh yeah. Uh, but but I also look back on it and I'm like, that's it. Like my mood board on my phone, there's a lot of early aughts tiger yes. because I'm like, okay, that baggy stuff is kind of fire. Work. Oh, it's back. Yeah. It's back. Give me a puddled yeah. jean. Yes. <laughs> that that will be something. And we may have go too far when the when the when the Jinko Jinko dot golf Jinko is an Instagram cuff. Somebody go grab that handle right now, Jinko.com. Right. Jinko.com. Their first post is Remember Us. (laughs) The one thing that I was thinking about, Ben, when you were talking about playing your home course in your mind, I think the the thing that I've I've thought about is there are times when you you might be down or you're you know, maybe you're at the dentist and and you're trying to have like a, a positive thought or affirmation in your head. And for me, it's always been the first tee at my home course growing up, um, you know, the course that I played more than any other golf course in my life. And it's like uh, just imagining the tee shot there, it just immediately puts me in a good mood because I think I think a lot of people, the golf course can be that that place of solace and and uh, and like restoration almost of like, you know, just get you back in the right the right frame of mind. So. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that. There's a reason why when you go out by yourself into the first tee time of the day, you typically shoot your lowest score and then have to tell people, I promise it was real. No one else yeah. was there. But, you know, I, I, I set my personal record a few weeks ago by myself at 6.30 a.m. on the golf course. And mm. it's because you have that solace, because you have that yeah. peace of mind. There, there's no one around you. There's no one behind you, mm-hmm. which can really suck sometimes and um you're not waiting on anyone in front of you and it's just you and your golf ball and yeah nature <laughs> you know yeah it's beautiful yeah i mean the two times i've, I've almost had a hole in one it was by myself so I, I don't have a hole in one but i've come really close and at both times it was by myself and i was like well part of me is happy it didn't go in because no one would believe me if it did but <laughs> you know it still would have been awesome My, to, to get a hole in one. <laughs> My stepdad's only hole in one. I also don't have one. My dad doesn't have one. I want him to get one more than me, but my stepdad has one and he was by himself. And I think I'm the only person Classic. that actually does, does believe him because <laughs> I'm out here setting solo records. So I gotta, I gotta be consistent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ideological consistency. That's sick. Yes. 
Well, I'm I, I'm curious a little bit about your your take at being somebody who worked at Esquire, clearly focused on golf fashion, golf style, like the 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 evolution of that. What are some things that you're seeing right now as a as a comeback golfer, someone who I'm sure is experiencing the game with a new lens of style than you did when you were a kid? What are some things that you're like truly vibing with right now in golf style and fashion? And what are some things that you're like, this still sucks and it needs to go away immediately? I can definitely answer that question. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I am most excited about the fact that golf clothing exists that is not just made to work on and off the course, something you can wear to the 19th hole too. Um, (laughs) It's being designed to only wear off the course. The t-shirt I'm wearing right now was not made necessarily to wear to play golf, though you could some Mm -hmm. places nowadays, which is also incredible and makes me very happy. But, you know, I can... I can wear stuff that I know is golf centric. Like I know this shirt is from students golf, right? But only golfers would know that only Instagram style golf dudes would know that. And that's cool to me that I can wear it and I can keep golf close to my chest, but I don't have to scream it. Whereas I think 10 years ago, I might have to wear you know, some sort of ugly ass striped title something list. or <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which I, I have, I know big titleist guy got the, got that. I have that hat and I wear it when the setting requires, but that's not, that's not me at the Muni. Like I, I made a joke on Instagram a few weeks ago about like, I was on a, I was on a, um, a ranch in Wyoming and I was taking a video of these cows that were all sitting in this pen and they're all just, you know how cows chew grass and they're just chewing grass, staring at me, 10 of them at the same time. And I was like, this feels like when I went to a Muni on Staten Island and showed up wearing white pants and the like <laughs> starter is sitting in his cart with a cigar in his mouth. You know, one of the cart that has no windshield and nothing. It's like a bare bones. Like it looks like it got left in Newark and somebody like stripped it for parts. And he's looking at me and and he's not saying a word he's chewing on a cigar the way these cows are chewing on their grass and he's like all right tiger you're up next and that's like not what you want to hear oh no that's the way only option we used to have is this like performance golf techie gear and now we have streetwear i hate that term i don't even want to say it but like we have we have stuff that's inspired by skateboarding and by culture that is mm-hmm. golf adjacent. That's what's most yeah. exciting to me. And so brands like students I mentioned, I'm, I really love. Um, I think what Cole is doing at Metalwood is really, really awesome. Um, both in just like his trajectory and how that brand has turned into what it is. I think that I'm just so impressed with that. Um, I've been following Melbourne for a long time um, for, you know, I guess three to five years maybe, but that's, you know, it's not that old. Um, and I like, I really appreciate what Stephen Malvin has done to help jumpstart that. Um, I think guys like him and and Cole and 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 Michael from Students. I, I think these guys are pushing the Nikes and the Adidas's and the TaylorMades and the Titleists and the Pings to like rethink about what they're doing. And you know, I, I had a call a couple when I was still at Esquire working on this, the golf 
package and, and really starting to do some more golf coverage in the style section. Um, I, I was had the opportunity to be on a call with Adidas where they were talking about, I think n- this year, the stuff that's like out right now. And they were asking a bunch of us, like a panel, like, what do you guys like to see? And at the time mm-hmm. I was telling them like, no logos, like stop putting mm-hmm. these giant logos all over everything. And mm-hmm. everybody knows the stripes. Like you don't have to, you know, shove it down people's throats. And, and now I'm watching like, you know, Joaquin Neiman out there, rest in peace. Um, <laughs> and he's, he's wearing like an <laughs> all Navy fit and it's Adidas and you don't see the logo. I mean, if you know the logo, you know, it's a small square and it's, his hat has big stripes on it, but it looks considered and not, you know, billboardy. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, the, it's subdued. It's still techie, but for this setting, like I, I don't want, I don't think anybody on tour is going to go out in an oversized you know, vintage polo, which would be awesome. But like even the most stylish guys out there are still not. And I know they're, they're contractually obligated to wear ugly shit. Sometimes that's, that's part of the game, yeah. but um, that's as good but as it gets out there. So I appreciate be, that. I, pre- <laughs> I know, what? I know. You know we, we talk about this all the time and it's like the, uh, money talks and that's the whole reason that they are doing what they're doing. But I really, I truly don't think there's many people on tour, or or that play at a high level on tour, that care about clothing like the three, the four, the four of us do here, or people like Cole or or people in in menswear. There, there's just not any fashion nerds that play golf that, or at least that we can see because it's they're just like, yeah, I mean, I get Adidas pays me this much money to wear this stuff. Like, of course I'll do it. Like. I have not. I don't know what else I would wear. Like so, I, I just yeah. You need that one person to go back and say like, "Hey, I'm inclined." So, what can you make that's right. your brand, and I, that right. I'll wear? You know, yeah. I think and not that just be, and not just Brooks Kepka saying, "I want more bicep showing." We that's that's not that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> no, and Brooks Kepka is one of the offenders. You know, he's he's got to be one of the worst dressed guys formerly on tour, and. uh <laughs> I think there are guys though. But he thinks was, he's he thinks of, he's well dressed though. That's the problem. I know. He thinks yeah, he that's is. true. That's true. He can be off the course sometimes. I, I won't. I don't know. It's uh, the internet, not, baby. Say what you say. What, get, get your issue off. <laughs> <laughs> I think rather than rather than praise the style of Brooks Kepka or guys like that, I would I would like to make an exception for. I was thinking about this yesterday. There are guys that are like the superheroes of pro golf. And so they're allowed to wear the spandex, uh, so to speak in the mm-hmm. Cape, which I think mm-hmm. is like, you look at Rory McElroy, like he is not, I wouldn't call what he wears like really stylish or like really considered, but it's, it's put together. It's not usually any more like mismatchy in a bad way or really out there. That's it's techie. It's, it's performance gear. He's, yeah. he is, on the Mount Rushmore, he's on the, the, you guys watch the boys, like he's on the five for sure. Right. So he can, yeah, yeah, he yeah. can wear the tight Nike shirt and the, and the white pants and the big belt buckle. Cause that's like his uniform. That's it like his Batman shit. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't. And I think Dustin Johnson's another guy that yeah, wears agreed. that kind of stuff really well. And I, yeah. I appreciate that. Um, Neiman, another guy that wears it really well. It also helps if you're fit too yeah right and certainly, like hot. certainly. so that but that helps, that like helps. When, when harry, if, if harry higgs if harry higgs and rory wore the same outfit 
it that's a problem different on Rory than Harry. Right? I'm glad you brought up Harry Higgs though, because I would put him in the top percentage of stylish golfers because of his choice to let all the buttons. It off. is a choice. That is a choice. True. And, <laughs> I, and I respect that. You know, yeah. I'm not mad not at it. a lot it. of choices that these guys get to make. Yeah. It, I'm not mad at it because, um, I mean, he owns exactly his lot in life. You know, I'm a, I'm a pro golfer, not necessarily, uh, like I'm, I'm not out here trying to be on ESP in the body though. If he chose to, I support that. I'm, I'm going to buy a copy and you know, that that's all well and good, but he, um, honestly, what's he up? should, that's right. That would be dope. Yeah. I'm here for that. That would be, that would be ideal. What, uh, Romney Malco said in, um, 40 year old virgin I, I accentuate the what's he say oh fuck accentuate the the i gotta accentuate the attributes baby so he uses yeah, he right, uses right, what right. he's given <laughs> he harry right. harry knows he's got the taco meat up at the top so he's gonna let it hang out yeah <laughs> he's like I'm, yes. I'm mr every man on tour man feathers yeah <laughs> yeah can we all unanimously agree though that the the women dress way better than the men do yes and as as underlined by the recent, I mean, Nelly Corda and Jay Lindbergh is like oh, it's not even close. This yep. easily easily yep. the sickest thing in golf. Y'all saw Nelly in Vogue? Come not on, even man. close. Easily, I just saw that. That's so good. It's fire. It's like not even a contest. Very mm-hmm. impressive. Yeah. I'm stoked alone that that Vogue gives golf the fashion treatment in that way. Like that's something we don't see a lot right. of, and that I would look forward to seeing, especially in magazines. Yeah. It's like. Let's get artful with how we're styling right. this stuff, and and I we did our best, I think, and we did a really good job in that um, in the golf package. There, part of it was a, a style, the whole style section that was the anchor that mm-hmm. was like six to eight pages, and um, we pulled from Gucci and Cuccinelli, but we also pulled from Bogey Boys and Malbon and Manners, another mm-hmm. brand I really like, and you know those those brands at the time, and we we worked Adidas and those guys in, and so we we made it like wearable but i would like to see it avant-garde like that i think that's that's the first i'd ever really seen of that i think that's so cool all right so I, i got a question for you this and this is tying in uh bespoke post which is your new your new employer who i i think it's sick it's like it's boxes that are curated with individual products from from small makers right i think it's it's tasteful it's subscription yeah. but it's also you can get one-offs if you were to make a golf box for bespoke post what would the five items be in that box if i'm what if i'm already maybe making a box, a golf <laughs> box <for bespoke laughs> i don't want hey. you to give away company secrets we'll send you our addresses after we record <laughs> <laughs> you guys you guys will be getting one that was already been that's been discussed. I had a meeting with our buyer that also loves golf, Fitz, today, and we were talking about what we're going to put in that box. Oh my so gosh. I would tell you to stay tuned yes. and Let's go. Uh, keep an eye on bespokepost.com. I appreciate the shout out for Bespoke Post. I, I really, it's been, you know, this is this is a mental health podcast, right? Uh, where we talk about golf sometimes. Bespoke Post has done for my mental health what I never thought a job could do. Um, it's a great place to work, and it it allows me to explore this passion and be talking to you guys right now instead of watching Joe Biden <laughs> talk about bullshit. That's well, really cool. I mean, shout That's out to Bespoke really, really Post. Yeah, shout out to y'all. I mean, it, 
unpack that a little bit. What can you compare it to other employment situations? Like what's so special about that place? I think that what's special about it is that there is a true, like you, you work a lot of places and I haven't really worked a lot of places that, that claim this, but they say like, Hey, you do you, you be autonomous. You have a job to do and a goal and it's on you to hit that goal. And we're not going to micromanage it. And we're not going to, um, look at when your light is green on Slack and we're not going to, you know, have you have to be at the office at nine Oh one, um, get your work mm-hmm. done, do it well, hold yourself to a high standard. Think about our customer. Um, think about what he or she is looking for. Um, and they, they stay true to that. And so I'm able to, I think be more creative because of that. And at the same time, like even something like unlimited vacation, which I think gets a lot of like, a bad rap in the employer world. Right. Cause nobody ever means it. They mean it. I can mm-hmm. take one vacation whenever I need it. Um, and they're, they're very, the founders, Rishi and Steve are just good dudes. They're just nice people, empathetic people. My boss, Danny, the VP of creative, creative, empathetic guy, nice guy understands that we need breaks. And when I'm, in park city with my fiance's family on a ski trip, but I'm working, he's mad at me. He says, close your computer, go (laughs) ski. You're in park city. Um, that, that had never happened to me in my career. And, and that's not to say that my previous job did that to me. I did that to myself Mm. at my previous job. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Esquire didn't require me to do that. I, I required myself to do that. And I needed to have a reality check with myself as I, got a little older, found the person I want to start my life with and start a family with. I'm thinking, I'm thinking a little bit ahead. Um, and I, I couldn't sustain that. It's not that anybody couldn't, it's that it was time for me to switch gears. And, and I'm lucky I found something that's, that's given me a lot more than a job, honestly. That's beautiful, man. I think that's important. And, um, aside from, I think drew (laughs) on, on this, call uh you know we're not like nine to fivers you know uh being in the creative field you kind of eat what you kill in a way Mm -hmm. um but finding a way to eat is extremely important like we can't deny capitalism's role in how all of (laughs) this works you know um and how it, it affects us mentally energetically emotionally like those things matter um so i i mean i just I just wanted to ask that because um, those situations exist. You you can find a place that you can call home that gives you everything that you've been looking for in, a, in an employment situation. Um, it does exist. It is out there. And I think part of taking advantage of it is acknowledging that capitalism is not something we can make go away right. or anything. You know, so like <laughs> understand when I go to work every day that I'm not there. It's not about me. It's about this business that these two guys built. 10 years ago and the people that rely on it. And mm-hmm. I'm a cog in that machine. I'm a part of that. You know, it's not about me. It's not about my creative outlet. You know, it's about like what I think has always driven me to take a job or be in a career, which is like making people's lives better. Mm-hmm. I thought at Esquire that, you know, Esquire raised me in a way. And so I, I wanted to be there so I could pay it forward to young dudes that needed some guidance in their life on, how to dress or what to eat or drink or, um, you know, the opposites of what not to do. Mm -hmm. Um, and 
Esquire has become less and less prescriptive in that regard. And I was happy to be a part of that evolution. And, and that, mm. that was good. To, I felt like I was helping people. And at Bespoke Post, I think I'm even more so helping people discover, like you said, like we, we focus on small brands um, and small businesses. So I'm helping people discover that like next small brand that they're going to love. And, you know, to bring it back to golf, like that's been so excited. And to your question, Connor, about what I'm loving in the golf in golf right now and in, in fashion and, I'm discovering new small golf brands every day now and I'm buying their stuff and I'm t- testing them out. And like, that is so exciting. So like, yeah, I'm, I'm getting to do firsthand what I'm helping people do That's in my job, which is, is meta as hell. Yeah. Yeah, it is very quick follow-up question to the, the golf box for bespoke post. Has the box been closed? Because as of today, we might have something to throw your way to fit into that box. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know. Box ain't closed. Woo. We'll talk offline. Box. Yeah, well, the box not even <laughs> open yet. But it's not, you know, it's not. Uh, we'll take this the off box wax, hasn't yeah. even been folded up yet. It's not even a box yet. We'll have you, pe- your people, talk to my people. You yeah. guys will talk about margins and stuff that I don't, because I'm, I'm a creative. And when Excel opens, I have a panic attack. So yeah. same. We'll have them, d- yeah, uh, double it and then divide by two and then talk to you and talk to our yeah. carry that one yeah. carry that one right. carry the one carry that one <laughs> move the decimal point somewhere well i think we should we should hit some some meat and potatoes ben i i think and and this is perhaps an allusion to a a a potential future bespoke post golf box ben what are some of your favorite golf smells all right, I have I have two that I really can attest to, like my whole golf career having an affinity towards, and they're weird. But um, when when I'm reading the putt and I'm kneeling down, I have a old Scotty Cameron putter, and the, I have a new grip on it now. But the old grip, I bought this off a dude at a driving range for ninety bucks, and he dipped it in CLR, I think is what it's called. And it turned it into a like rainbow almost, like oh. oil can almost. <laughs> and over the years, it, the sun wore that finish off. And now it's back to its original pro platinum. But the grip, I had that same grip on it forever. And the smell of that grip when I'm reading my putt is something that I can think of. Because there's all kinds of like sand and gross. It's it's the baby tea grip. So all the little tiny mm. teas, the little yeah. sand grains and like yeah. cow shit and like anything that got in there over the years. It's just like the golf course. So it's, it's bottom, that bottom of the bag. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, truly. And then I think this is when I only really kind of discovered recently, I guess is that my glove hand after a round hmm. is something that feels uniquely golf. It's like, I know I'm wearing a mustache these days, so I'll go to like fix this and I'll smell my glove hand, my left hand. And it's like, Oh yeah, you, that's where you just were. You know, it's like, it's the <laughs> real time, pillow talk to the golf course you know <laughs> yeah yeah oh that's so funny yes yes you uh you're returning to hickory heights you've won hickory heights men's championship you're inviting the family out your fiance your mom judy is there uh whoever else you the shrinks you we pull up and it's it's ben's championship dinner you're hosting what is on the menu I would have had a really hard time answering this question if I wasn't currently planning a wedding menu 
which mm-hmm. I've been given the the free reign oh, from Catherine, my honor. fiance, wow. to come up because because I'm the cook in the house and I'm the foodie, and she was like, "This is your thing." Like, she's her aesthetic is incredible, so she's doing the she's doing a lot of the wedding stuff. Food is my thing, so um, part of this is this is basically what we're serving at our wedding, save for one thing. So the the, the first course is going to be homemade salt and vinegar potato chips mm. because uh i'm a potato chip snob I, I don't you guys probably don't know this but i was the preeminent potato chip blogger in america for a few years here and that's because i was the only potato <laughs> chip blogger in america um but esquire gave me a column drunk on chips and if you google it you'll find lots of good chip recommendations oh. from me I'm, I'm a freak looking, about I'm, I'm looking this up chips. immediately after we're out there. Yes. The logo I love chi- for the I love article chips. is my face with potato chips in my glasses, uh, <laughs> which was <laughs> decided against my will, but I've come to love it. And, I love it. Um, yeah. That's... So salt and vinegar potato chips, that's my favorite flavor. Hers salt and vinegar is my favorite potato chip of all time. So I want to okay. do a homemade that's version of that. That's Shout out to hers. Yeah. Hers. Pennsylvania. Double zone. R. I think the second course is going to be a steak frite, like the entree. Mm. Um, that's my move. That's what we're making an option at the wedding. Yes. I'm really excited yeah. about that. And then New York cheesecake, baby. That's that's a dessert. Um, I am not. We're not having a, a cake at our wedding. We're just serving cheesecake because I'm not a big cake guy. I don't really. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's nice. a hot take, but I don't really eat nah. cake that much. I, I usually pass. It's um, overrated. Cheesecake, I'm though. Good. Y'all pass. We didn't have cake at our wedding either. What did y'all have? We had cupcakes. Oh, yes, sir. Oh, I love that. So what's strange is a cupcake and a cake are the same thing. So why do we feel one way about one and the other? One's more portable. I do not. Yeah. (laughs) It's all about the portability. I I don't need a whole plate to eat this cupcake. It's it's got a plate built in, you know? Yeah. I I went to a wedding (laughs) once, and there, in lieu of a cake, they had uh, a candy store. Oh. I've been to one of those too. Like, it was like amazing. Dylan's. Just the room, uh, fountains of candy or, or fountains of chocolate, yeah, and and all yeah. you could scoop into a baggie of candy. Every candy yep. you could imagine. Baby, we're doing that. Yeah, that's incredible. I'm that's I'm happy for incredible. people that love candy for that. I'm 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 savory can't wait for the, guy. I, I, yeah, I don't. I can't I'm, wait for for Brad's wedding for that for the candy room. Yeah, we're doing candy, the candy. We're room. gonna take you take us to the candy shop. Yeah. <laughs> We're going. We're going to open the double doors. Go be Willy Wonka's factory, okay? And, 50, and then Fifty Cent will, will perform. Fifty too. and, and uh, Bishop Don Juan and Snoop. Yeah. <laughs> the flavored wallpaper and all. Yes. Yeah, oh my yeah. god. Uh. <laughs> Pull up, Veruca. Um, wait, Brad and Drew. Do you remember that TikTok that I sent you guys of? Uh, Uncle Charlie licking the wallpaper. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. The, oh the my tongue. god. He's, just, he's going. He's he he tongues that wall down. He's spelling his name in that thing. Down bad. He's spelling his name on that thing. Sweating. Oh my Please God. send that again. Anyway. Like um, it needs to go back uh, in the yeah. group chat immediately. Yeah. <laughs> I'll find that. I'll find that. Uh, <laughs> all right. So um, before we got to the meal portion and before the championship uh, that that you won at, at, at your home course happened, 
what is the song that you would want as your walk-up music for the first tee after they announce your name? So a song called Be Thankful for What You've Got by a band called Love. It's a, from 1974, Yo, wow, I think. Love is the shit. That's on the rotation constantly right now. It's just such a funky, good vibe song. Be thankful for what you've got. I'm, you know, I'm in position 1A. I didn't, I didn't bomb it, but, you know, I've got a good number into the green. I think that's a good vibe. What's your parking lot ritual when you arrive to the golf course? How do you, how do you arrive to the golf course? That's a great question. What is my ritual? It's, it's not exciting. It's, I, that's great. I go to Honestly, the yeah, we yeah. love that. I have a, I drive a, a wagon. So I have like a, you know, hatch. What, what kind of trunk do you call that? Um, yeah, hatchback. That's a hatch. Hatchback. Not, not a car guy. Yeah. It's like the one like thing of like <laughs> guy stuff, you know, like that I, I don't. Hey, man, get it gets you from A to B. About cars on. Yeah, that's, that's right. it. We're not car. We're not car. This isn't. This isn't a car pod. You're not right. Car people. <laughs> You're not going to offend anybody. We all have cars. They're not cool. They're just cars. Yeah, my my oil light gives me the same feeling that uh, opening Excel does. But uh, <laughs> I I pop the trunk and I you know I'm usually wearing slides to the course, so I'll pop the slides mm-hmm. off. Um, socks on concrete. I'm I'm not afraid of that, and. I'll sit in my trunk and I'll put on. Uh, I see your face. <laughs> I'm thinking about the pebbles I, I, in my, in my socks. Tra- <laughs> yeah, and, and then I'll put the put the shoes on, grab the bag. I'm not like I never do bag drop. I don't know if that counts as the parking lot routine, but like totally. I've never like done the done the bag drop and just nah. been like, oh yeah, take care of this. Like it's just going on my back and I'm walking to where I'm going. And even now, like when I play at my mother in law's club, I like. There's this weird thing where they're like, "No, I'll I'll take it," and no, you don't. And I'm, no, I just I'm good. I'll just pull it out. I'm I'm gonna be fine. Um, yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. There's nothing really to it. And then, you know, more routine stuff is I always like wet a towel and throw it around the side of the cart. I'm not mm. I'm not a big walker. I know that's like the cool thing to do, and I, I'm not opposed to it. But I mostly riding in the cart and. uh Nothing wrong with that. Whip the wet towel around. Yeah. And that's my face towel, you know, especially in the summer. Along those same lines of, of like parking lot ritual, another thing that we're, we're very interested in, a lot of people will talk about like what's in the bag. We want to know what's in the pockets when you're playing golf, like front pocket, left pocket, back pocket. Like what, 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 what's, is there anything that you have to have or is it just, it's pretty standard. I did just get a new bag, which I'm still like, I don't know if you guys agree, but like when you get that new bag and the pockets are in different places and you're like, ah, this mm. doesn't feel like the right bag. I don't know where the T's are. Um, yeah. I'm dealing with that right 100%, now, but hundred percent dealing with that. Um, my mother-in-law gave me like this bag of like nuts and fruit that I, she's like, you know, make sure you're like eating out there when you're there. And like, I recently found one that she gave me like two years ago in there. Like cause if it's not run of the mill, then it's going to just so confuse cute, me. So though. That's I keep, so sweet. I love that. Oh my God. She, she, yeah, she's always making sure I'm fed. I appreciate that. That's beautiful. That's love. I, I won't do it. I won't eat or drink on the golf course. I'll just be like, so zoned in sometimes that I'm, I'm like, I don't care if I'm dehydrated and sweating. I'm like, I just want to play. I just want to hit that next shot. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm locked in. I always realize that I'm dehydrated way too late. 
I'm on like the 13th hole and I'm like, <laughs> yes. holy shit, I haven't had I, nary a sip of water has passed these <laughs> lips for the last three hours. <laughs> and I'm like, and I, but I have been applying chapstick. Oh, there you go. And, but, but, but it's, no it's, water. It's too, it's too far. You're too far. Yeah, gone yeah. That, that chapstick ain't going to help you. That's not even doing anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. It's not rehydrating. No, I'm it's mummified just, at that yeah, point. It's yeah, just, <laughs> <laughs> it's just enca- it's encasing your dryness. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. You guys remember Hocus Pocus, the Halloween movie, and the guy that has his lips sewn shut? Yes, and they yeah. finally like rip them open at the end. And he's like, yeah. oh, yes, dust comes out. <laughs> that's Connor by, by that's whole me. fourteen. That's, that's the exact. That's, that's the Connor exact, on eighteen. Yeah. <laughs> Drew, do you happen to have your intention cards with you? I do. I do. Okay. Good thing I always record from the exact same spot. <laughs> I know. I, I record from Unlike, only different spots. So yeah, I was gonna say, like um, when when I was I was I was actually trying to think like every time I see you on pod night, it's a different spot. Like I'm like, has Connor yeah. ever like maybe season one when you were back in Portland, you might have recorded a few in the same spot, but I'm like lately. Yeah. I feel yeah, like every for, pod has been in a new location season one was all in one location and seasons two and three are i I think it's a different location every single episode which is uh frightening yeah seriously it's it's bad for my body (laughs) and my mind um i'm just trying to keep it interesting so ben we're very thankful to have a a great sponsor of this podcast better help which is an online therapy platform the three of us use better help every week uh to check in around the country with different therapists and what we've decided to do is instill a a segment on this podcast called the BetterHelp Moment of Clarity. So we have a, a deck of cards that we call intention cards. Each of them, I think there are 72 cards, which is a great golf number. Yes. Each each card has a different way better than 54 cards. I just got to say way better that. than 54 cards. Way. Completely agree. Completely agree. Each card has a different word on it that describes an emotion, a feeling, a, a thought. And Drew is going to pick a random card and present it to you. And you'll have the opportunity to share what that card is giving to you right now. How that, how the term, how the phrase on that card fits into your life at this present moment. And that will be our better help moment of clarity. So Drew, take it away. Yeah, Ben, I, this is random. I, I really like the card that I picked today for the conversation we've had today. Uh, but today's card is relaxation. Relaxation. Wow. I have to say, I have to take this back to something I already spoke about. I hope that's okay. Absolutely. But totally. Floor is yours. I have found this, this binging of final rounds of major tournaments and Ryder Cups and President's Cups during my evenings as the most relaxing thing because I I'm not watching a show that I need to follow the plot and read subtitles. I mm-hmm. usually know what happened at the end of this, this telecast. And yeah. so I can casually passively watch it and maybe partake in a little extracurricular and just watch golf and maybe not watch golf, maybe take some notes, come up with some ideas, catch up on some, work because i'm so chilled that like i can actually bring myself to do a little work like that i I have really found something that is helping me at night wind down and relax that i didn't ever think like i do i love to read and like books do that for me 
and other like mediums and uh, other media and content can do that for me, but nothing like just having like that sweet early aughts Jim Nance tone coming from the TV. Mm. Um, you know, that slightly younger Vern Lundquist calling <laughs> from 16 at Augusta, uh, you know, a sprightly Dan Hicks, you know, that those, I appreciate these broadcasters, uh, ability to soothe us without putting us to sleep. Uh, and yeah, that's what, that's what relaxation means to me right now in, in this moment. That is so good. Consider Ben Boscovich pacified and relaxed. That's beautiful. And frankly, more of those final round broadcasts need to be uploaded to YouTube because I've been in your position. I burned through them so quickly. I know I'm getting close, at least yeah. on the Tigers, you know. Right, mm. right, right, right. Yeah. yeah, we need we need some other ones in there. Um, that is a great answer. Um and I'm glad you picked that card, Drew. That's that was very uh, serendipitous. I, it was. I it, it was truly random. I I just grabbed it, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's that's what we were talking about tonight." It's meant that to is. be. I'm glad you pulled that card too. Yeah. <laughs> well, Ben, this has been a blessing. Uh, thank you for spending time with us tonight. Um, it's cool to put a face to the name. I know we've like, we've all been chatting independently for a while and um, it's, it's cool to hear your voice and, and hear your perspectives on golf and life. Um, it's very important. So thank you. Uh, honestly, thank you guys. Uh, it's been something I've been just so looking forward to more so meeting you guys and putting faces to names, but also getting to, like I said before, just talk about golf with, with guys that, and people that, that want to talk about it and that don't roll their eyes and, you know, yeah. tell me that yeah. I talk about golf too much. Like <laughs> it just has been just great. And, and I, I love what you guys do. I think that the mental part of the game is something that we is so multifaceted and how it gives us mental clarity and how it, it can cause us mental strain at the same time. And I think mm -hmm. that's like one of the many enigmatic things about golf that, that, mm -hmm make it so addicting and so cool and special and i'm glad you guys are, are taking advantage of that and talking about it and to be a part of it is honestly been, it's been a real a real honor for me so thank you thank you guys thank you absolutely thank you